Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a good week. Sorry for the delay. It seems I feel like I'm saying this at every episode. Uh, we, we had our RI camp last week, and so we were unable to get one done. And this week's been crazy as well. I obviously do better at recording at night. Britt does better recording during the day or in the mornings, and I don't do very well in the morning. But Britt is here with we me this evening. Our complete opposites. Yes, yeah, so I think we're going to have to go back to just doing these on Sunday evenings and making it a part of our weekend because we're struggling getting it done during the week. Good times. Because uh, I don't get home too really late. <clears throat> and let's be real, everybody's ready to wind down once I get home. So, it is Thursday. No, it's Wednesday as we're recording this, 9 o'clock at night. I just got home from my last client, and um, this will be out on a Thursday. So we are going to get back to trying to have these out on Tuesday or at least by Wednesday morning. Um, My goal is to start recording on Tuesdays after I go to the men's prison for retrieving independence. But right now I'm still booked with clients after that. So we're going to figure this out at some point. We're going to get there. It's easier to record when I'm by myself, but I know y'all don't enjoy that as much. Just because I only have to worry about my schedule at that point. Uh, so now with, you know, two of us, we're trying to make it work. Two humans who work seven days a week. Basically. Yeah. Sometimes seven. Two different I mean, jobs. <laughs> one day off in 12 days. and then <laughs> Yeah. And then five more. That's all right. I love what I do. Um, but I will say that I miss being able to sit down and do podcasts without feeling rushed, without feeling like... We just have to get it done. So I've got to do a better job at prioritizing because I really enjoy getting the information out there. But I also enjoy doing continuing education for myself Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about new things. So uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, We're talking about aggression. Aggression. Yeah. Just going to talk general aggression. General aggression. So we're not going to specify dog-dog aggression, dog-human aggression. Uh, We're just going to talk about aggression because, Mm -hmm. you know, aggression is really just a behavior. It's just a behavior. So, you know, the the key is trying to realize and figure out what that motivation is behind that behavior. Yeah. So. um, Well, I mean, most of the people that I talk to say it came out of nowhere. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing that we hear, that by the time you're seeing aggressive behavior, whether it's towards another dog or a human, it's out of nowhere. So I will say that in 99.9% of the cases, it is never just out of nowhere. 
especially if we're talking dog dog uh, aggression in the same home mm -hmm. that never comes out of nowhere but yeah in general dogs do use aggression they, they actually have what we call ritualized aggression and they use that in those behaviors also known as calming signals mm -hmm. communication skills to avoid the serious altercations you know when we talk about uh, dogs using calming signals and we talk about a growl a snarl a snap or a bite or a muzzle grab between dogs people think oh that is that's aggressive behavior no, it's aggressive behavior, yes, but it's not aggression, aggressive tendencies, I should say. Yeah, the dog's not aggressive. No, the dog's not aggressive because um, the dog can't be aggressive. The dog is just exhibiting a behavior of aggression, which is why I label that level three as an aggressive level. Doesn't mean the dog is aggressive because right. it is aggressive behavior, you know. So it's understanding that usually what transpires, uh, a couple of things. Once we see what the motivation is behind the behavior, then we get a better understanding of which route to take to fix it. Mm -hmm. But before we jump ahead and all of that, because I think it's important people truly understand aggressive behavior. And, uh, and it does start to exhibit itself in small forms, um, or it can also start to develop over time where the dog is learning that the aggressive behavior is the only way to prevent someone from approaching. Mm -hmm. So let's give an example. I think one of my favorite examples would be to use um, a child that lives in the home with the dog. The dog has lived there for over a year. And out of the blue, the dog um, growled or snapped at the child. And people say, happened out of the blue. Or let's say that the dog does bite the child. Mm -hmm. Came out of the blue. Well, again, nothing ever comes out of the blue with that. So more than likely, once you really start digging in, uh, you'll probably find that the child, not, I'm not going to say tormented the dog, but the child was overzealous, uh, constantly wanted to interact with the dog, which is natural for kids. However... If a dog at some point gets tired, decides he doesn't want to interact, or maybe he doesn't want to interact that way. You know, not every dog enjoys rough wrestling, right, and rough play. So let's say that the dog has started just walking away from the kid and went and laid down by the couch. But the kid followed him and tried to get him to interact again. Mm -hmm. So the dog finally gets up, goes over, and lays under the dining room table. Dog, I mean, the kid comes over, dog starts to walk away again. And this happens for months. So what's transpiring is the dog is trying to say, I don't want to play anymore. But the kid keeps following and saying, well, I do. So it's actually very disrespectful on the kid. So what the dog is learning is, obviously, me walking away is not giving it. I'm ignoring him. I'm doing other things. And the kid's not getting it. So obviously, I need to step it up. And I need to let him really understand that I don't want to play. And so after a few months, sometimes even up to six months, um, maybe even longer, there's some really patient dogs in there. Mm -hmm. uh, the dog then goes from moving away from where it was laying down to growling and snarling at the kid. Well, if a parent is there, the first thing that's going to happen is the parent's going to yell and scream at the dog. And possibly, hopefully not, but possibly spank the dog. So now 
The dog has not only learned that using calming signals of passive nature are not going to keep the kid away, but now when he tries to tell him he really doesn't want to play and he gives his normal correction, communication, that now uh, mom and dad are yelling at him and possibly spanking him. Mm -hmm. So now the kid really not only is just irritating, now the kid is actually creating danger for this dog. Right. So what does the dog have to do now? Every time the dog kid just starts to approach. So after many times of that, all the, all the kid has to do is walk into the same room and the dog may get up and lunge mm-hmm. and do an air snap. Right. And then if the kid gets too close, gets bit. Well, the kid was just walking by. It didn't do anything. Came out of the blue. No, it didn't. The kid, the dog spent months and months and months trying to tell this kid he wanted to go away. And then whenever he stepped it up to tell him to go away, he got punished by you over and over and over again. So now this kid does, is just nothing positive about him. Mm-hmm. And the dog gets all the blame for that. And that's very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, because it's not fair for the dog. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about with calming signals, communication skills... Um, what we mean is the dog basically in level one signals would be like me asking someone to get out of my space or to not come any closer. If that did not work and the person kept coming into my space, then I'll go to level two where I'm going to raise my voice. Don't come any closer. Mm -hmm. And if the person keeps approaching, my, my level three is me screaming, don't come any closer. And the next thing that's going to happen is probably something physical. I'm going, to out, I'm going to stretch out my hands and arms to push that person away. Does that make me aggressive? Does that make me a bad person? Does that mean I deserve to be yelled at by my family member because I was trying to keep someone away from me? Right. So when we start thinking about it that way, I think a lot of times we can have a little bit more empathy with our dog. We need to learn to empathize with our dog a lot more. Yeah. I mean, but going back to your example of what those signals would look like for humans. I always just, and maybe I'm wrong, but I always describe it as, you know, there's someone in public who's following you or is being aggressive and you start by ignoring or walking away in the other direction. There is no verbal. Um, And then two, your level two is where you would say like that, like a growl or something like, Okay, leave me alone. And then three would be more physical, um, protecting yourself. Yeah. Is that correct? Those are perfect examples. Um, I just, I. Those are perfect examples because I do think that uh, we tend to think that we're okay as humans to become real verbal and sometimes physical to defend ourselves in safety. But when our dogs do it. Yeah. See, it's, I'm a more passive person in general, so level one makes sense to me. You know, yes. so if I get to a level three. You're now probably in panic mode. Where I'm actually considering physically, you know. Protecting yourself. Protecting my, like, getting in an altercation with someone physically, then you have pushed me way, way over. I mean, getting me to a level two is hard. Right. You're very non-confrontational. Yeah. So, I mean, I think of, you know, like a dog who has been non-confrontational and passive for months and months and months, whether that's with another dog in daycare or another human 
whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's 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 okay. never out of no. I mean, it's never out of. Out of I mean, now I will say ninety nine point nine percent. I do think there are some neurological problems, brain tumors. There are things that can create aggression right. behavior right. out of the blue, but it is rare. Mm-hmm. Rare, and you know, there, pain or, or pain. Yes, any kind of. If it is truly out of the blue, right? Truly, and that would take a lot of. It takes a lot of information, a lot of information for me to know if it was truly out of the blue, um, then it is probably pain Mm -hmm. related or something neurological. Um, A lot of times when people, when I talk to people, uh, they'll say my dog is, I've I've had people say my dog is vicious. Um, How do you explain the difference between what you mean by aggressive versus versus vicious so for me to make it kind of simple for people i personally say you know aggression is more of aggressive behavior it's kind of in your face very noticeable um, sometimes can be loud and scary that's the aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. i would say if you're deeming someone or deeming a dog vicious that's not a behavior that's going to be almost an adjective. Oh, my God. Am I getting into English right now? Um, uh, yeah. Right? We're, we're describing the dog using this term. For me, a dog, if I was going to describe a dog vicious, and I do think that they're out there, then we're going to get the um, aggressive behavior that is more of a lock and load behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's truly going to come without triggers. And it's not going to be something quick just to stop right. something coming to me or coming to the dog, but it's literally just lashing out for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. So kind of in, in human terms, I would say that me protecting myself um, and me punching somebody, I can't ever see myself doing that, but just for an example, if me punching somebody, I'm exhibiting aggressive behavior. Yeah. If somebody just walked up to me out of the blue and started kicking and punching me mm-hmm. with no motivation that I've given. Mm-hmm. Now I think that would, to me, would be more of a vicious person. Right. So a vicious dog. So kind of attacking with no reason. Mm-hmm. And will con- and will continue to do so without any regard of the other animal, person, dog. Um, so any, it's basically I'm going to attack you and, and I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. I, I truly want to hurt you. This is not to prevent you from hurting me. This is me wanting to hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the difference. What do you What do you say when you hear somebody say, um, "Well, they've bit, either they've bitten, so they're going to do it again, or once they taste blood, <laughs> once they get that taste, yeah, that's, it's over." That is one of the most silliest. The most silliest. That, the English, my, if my English professor is ever going to listen to this, um, that is one of the silliest things I've ever heard. Once they taste blood. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think they're going to turn to a vampire? I mean, what what is that? I don't know. Okay, so what this means is when a dog bites. So let's use an example of the kid. Um, the kid approaches, starts to pull on the ears of the dog, and the dog turns around, snaps, and makes contact. Not intended for harm, just intended to get the action and behavior of the kid to stop okay so what happens when the kid gets bit 
he stops pulling on the dog's ear. Mm-hmm. He moves away from him. Mm-hmm. So the it dog worked. goes, well, that worked. I'll be patient next time and see if the kid can get it. After several times of that, and the dog learning that, well, obviously I have to bite this kid for it to work. Now we're going to have a learned aggressive behavior. So aggressive behavior can happen for many reasons. Um, it can happen out of fear. It can, um, but it often happens out of learned behavior. Mm. If I snap, that person will go away. Mm. It works every time. It's a default behavior. So now they've kind of learned, this is how I handle the situation. So then we have to, we have to teach them, you know, to go back to using some passive. But that means we have to teach the, per, the, the people in the dog's life, including any animals that the dog interacts with, to be respectful of this dog's signal. Right. We have to stop being disrespectful of dogs. We have to stop petting them when they don't want to be petted. We have to stop making them say hi to people or other dogs when they don't want to. We have to stop making them walk around the neighborhood when it's stressful. We have to stop, you know, taking them to the dog park when they don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Just so they can, you know, so that you can throw the ball for them. That is not the appropriate way to deal with these things. When you over, when you take a dog and continually put them in situations that are stress stacking, uh, eventually the dog is going to show some aggressive behavior to communicate that his welfare is not in a good place. It's not, he doesn't have good welfare. He's not feeling good. He's not, you know, life is not, he's feeling safe for him. Right. Right. So I think we have to be very cognizant of what our dog actually enjoys and what our dog doesn't enjoy. Because I think that will absolutely create some aggressive behavior because the dog's like, look, I've had all I can take. Mm-hmm. And I'm now, my fuse is gone. Yeah. So here it is. I, you know, I just snapped at my best friend. How many of us do that? Yeah. How many of us get stressed out? We don't show it. We put on a, we put on a happy face. And, and I'll be the first to admit, y'all, I'm in that place right now. I am extremely tired. It has been a, an extremely busy month. It's been an extremely busy year, but I mean, extremely busy. I feel like I haven't stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, even on my days off, it doesn't feel like a day off. It's it's kind of crazy, and I don't I haven't had many of those. But I'm in that moment where, yeah, I may have started my stress a month ago, but I've put a smile on my face. I've kept going. I've keep pushing through. I don't lash out. I'm still feeling stress. It's coming out mostly with I'm having a ton of stress dreams. So it's coming out mostly in the evenings because I don't want to put that stress on anyone. Because if I come in stress to a client, I'm there to deal with their stress. So I have to make sure I'm there to reassure them mm-hmm. and give them the information they need. Uh, not be on edge and feel my stress. It gets to a point, and I, I think I'm at that point, where um, it doesn't take much right now to set me off. And it's not that I go off on a screaming rampage, but it's little things that I would not do on a regular basis mm-hmm. um, and just a regular. So it's, yeah, I may have had like, oh, I closed that cabinet really hard because I just stubbed my toe. Stubbing my toe when I'm not stressed, it's like, you know, dang, that hurt, but it's not the end of the world. Stubbing my toe when I'm a bit stressed out for weeks. Yeah, I'm going to have I'm going to have a little bit more of an emotional explosion to that. And if we can understand that that is a very natural part of 
emotions and part of um, our psyche. I mean, it's, it's our body telling us that we need to take care of some things. If it's okay for us to do those, and then I know there are people that probably lash out a lot more often, you know, maybe every day, maybe they, every, every evening they come home, it's at least one time they yell at the kids. And it's not that the kids are really being that bad, but it's because whatever you did during that day was stressful mm-hmm. and you're stressed act. So if we continually put dogs in situations that stress them out, even though you're not really seeing a huge explosion over time, the dog is going to give you an explosion because he, he has nowhere else to put that emotion. It's got to come out somewhere. So then, our, you know, we have to make sure that we're really aware of what our dog's feelings and emotions are mm-hmm. and being able to understand our dog. Yeah. And I think when you can start to really understand those emotions, and I've had some, the last few days with some clients have been amazing because it's like they, it's clicked where they've started looking at their dog deeper mm-hmm. and understanding that, oh, you know what? Uh, my one dog, he loves being petted on. He loves to snuggle. He loves that. But the other dog, he's just, now that, you know, they've kind of started looking, he's really not as into that. Right? But if we're yeah. forcing him to do it over time... He's going to start decreasing the amount of chances you get to even pet because he's going to start avoiding you. And then if you keep getting in his space, he's going to start giving you some issues. Right. And that's okay. He can have those moments where he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be petted on or touched on. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We can, we can avoid a lot of aggressive behaviors if we just start paying attention and have some some... Uh, empathy for our dogs and not thinking that they should like the walk around the neighborhood because you do. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of dogs, it's very stressful to walk in their neighborhood because it's busy. There are a bunch of kids. There are skateboards. There are bicycles. There are dogs barking. There are invisible fences where dogs are running and barking. There are cars going by. A Border Collie, an Australian Shepherd, any herding breed is going to have a hard time walking in that neighborhood with no stress. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Isabella's not a big fan of walking the neighborhood. Isabella's not a big fan of walking because it's over 60 degrees outside. Bless her heart. I mean, she, I, I don't know how she's not like a husky or something. Like she would be. Maybe she does have a little in her. She, I think she would love. You need to get her DNA test. Uh, you know, Antarctica. I think she would enjoy well, that. she does. Yeah, she will go outside when it was like 20 degrees out. She would ask to go outside and lay on the ottoman, and she would curl up with her little nose under her tail. She might be. You know what? You should do the DNA test. Um, and see what she is. Lord, who knows? She might have a little bit of a tundra dog in her. It's possible. It's real possible. She, but, she's digging this haircut, though. Yeah, she's a lot cooler now. Yep. But, you know, so instead of, like, taking her for a walk around the neighborhood, playing with a flirt pole, um, giving her some uh, toys to find in the yard, having her chase something, uh, the ball, the football. She likes her pool. Right? Get in the pool, lay down. Uh, So, I mean, there are other ways that you can get some physical activity uh, without putting them in situations that is uncomfortable for them. And I think we definitely need to do an episode on some leash stuff because... I think people are forcing their dogs and feeling like they have to walk them all the time and walk them in the neighborhood and do this and do that. And it's, you know, we run into problems there. It was sort of the running joke of 2020. Oh. You know, dogs are like, please go back to work. Yes. I'm tired so, of walking. Yeah, I don't want to go for another walk. And I need a nap. Mm-hmm. So if you could keep it down, that'd be great. 
Yeah. So some of the things, and I think that we'll, we'll put this in a two-parter. So I think that I want to finish out this one talking about um, probably one of the most common aggressive behaviors um, or, you know, just aggressive behavior in general, but it's going to be your fear aggression. Um, and then we can do the next episode next week on what we can do to start helping your dog. Yes. Yes. So with fear aggression, we get a lot of phone calls for fear aggression. I would say easily 90% of my aggression cases are fear-based. Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of them are happening on leash and reactivity on, when on walks. Mm-hmm. Um, whether towards people or or dogs. So yeah. let's talk about how that happens. Do you have any theories there, Britt? I I probably would if I hadn't been awake since 2.30 this morning. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> it's probably, it would probably flow better if it came from you. <laughs> All right. So I was going to give her a chance there. So for me with fear aggression... Um, let me just start out because, you know, I love using my analogies and I like putting humans where their dogs are. Because mm-hmm. right? I think it helps them to, to, again, show some empathy. Right? Have some empathy. Uh, so we've talked fear before and we've talked about leash reactivity about this before. But again, let's talk about if you are afraid of something. And I am... Uh, approaching you with that thing that you're fearful of, snake. I'm approaching you with a snake. If you show, imagine showing any behavior of fear. Say you have nowhere to go. Yeah. Right. You're just there's a there's a wall. There's it's a small room, and I'm bringing a snake to you, and you start screaming, and maybe even flailing arms, right? Maybe even I mean you're screaming, cussing, threats, all that good stuff, right? But I keep approaching you. And then out of the blue, someone beside you starts screaming at you for acting that way. And then maybe they hit you upside the head a few times. It's that, whole, that old movie scene where someone is hysterical and they get slapped in the face. I love that movie clue. Because <laughs> that's where I'm thinking about that right there. <laughs> if you've not seen Clue, it's an old one, but it is so good. Uh, but yeah, it's right. It's like I'm gonna smack you for doing that. So did I? Did that do any good dealing with the, your fear of snakes? Probably not. Probably not. No, it's not only now. Is it going to make you afraid of the of a snakes? And if it happens over more and more time then just the thought of snakes will create panic attack in you. That's me when I see a picture of a spider on Facebook. There you go. Just minding my own business scrolling, and somebody's like, look at this awesome-ass spider that eats birds. Oh, hello, Australia. And I'm like, that's so very scary. Right, but if you start screaming, (laughs) why, as you see that... I think they're pretty docile. All right. They probably are. They probably are. <laughs> they're probably they're probably cool little buddies. But here's here's something that's really important. Not only now are you afraid of the snake, but you're now going to be afraid of me because I am now associated with the snake 
in turn associate with the pain that it caused you because you kept getting slapped in the head for showing for having a visceral response mm-hmm. to something that scares you. Mm-hmm. And now that third person that was smacking you now has become a trigger. Well, and you can't you can't trust. You know, imagine can't if trust. you're coming at me with a spider. Yeah. You're supposed to be my best buddy. Yes. And you know I hate them. Yep. You know I don't like it. Yep. And you do it anyway. Yep. How am I supposed to trust you the you're next not. time I'm in a room with you? Exactly. Like, how do I know you're not hiding it in a jar? That's right. Under your shirt. That's right. But also, as being a canine in a situation scenario like this, let's say you couldn't you couldn't communicate to us that you were afraid of the snake. Mm-hmm. It would even kind of get to the point where, yes, seeing me without the snake and that person together, you're going to start to freeze up, wait for that hit happening. Mm -hmm. And then if I keep approaching, you are going to start react because now all the common denominators are together. Yeah. The pattern. Pattern's there. Yeah. Context is set up. So with with the dogs, when we get a dog who has a behavior that's, It's growling, it's lunging, it's barking on or off leash. And a human who's supposed to be his best buddy to keep him safe, because dogs have to feel safe. This is very important. If they don't feel safe, they cannot learn, and they cannot learn to respond appropriately. Um, But now their best buddy is yelling and screaming at them, smacking them on the nose, smacking them on the butt, Mm-hmm. Now what's the dog to do? And over time, that dog is going to get to the point where he doesn't feel safe, so he's going to stay on edge. Even though you're not seeing the dog, you know, always pacing or panting or um, eyes dilated, you know, or avoidance behavior. Because the dog wants to feel safe. The dog wants to do things, you know, wants to enjoy life. But the dog's going to get to the point where he's going to start showing aggressive behavior in a lot of different scenarios yeah. to where there's no longer a trigger because breathing and being awake is the stressor. And it's not like, you know, they can just pack their bags and move in no. somewhere else. No, they can't. Get a job, get in the car. Right. That leave. person's controlling the majority of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They tell them when to eat, when to go out and potty, when they get to go for a walk, when they get to get in the car, when they get to get out of the car. You know, they're controlling everything. So the dog's like, well, I have to be with you because that's survival. And that sounds super abusive when you put it that way. It is abusive. It is abusive. And the majority of the people that do this don't realize it. They're unaware. And I don't want them to feel guilty for doing it. Um, I've had several of these cases recently. And the first thing is that no guilt needs to be worn. And if you feel like you need to be guilty, fine. You get a day or two, and then I want you to let it go. Because it's not going to do anybody any good. Yeah. You know what? Take that guilt and use that as your motivator to change. We can change. Dogs can be very forgiving. So we can change. Uh, and just know that, you know, a lot of people get in these situations because they, one, they are around people when their dog is acting this way. So they want to make sure that people know that they're recognizing it's a bad behavior and punishing. And the thing is, is y'all, it's not about the other people. It's about your dog. And it's about you making uh, your dog safe a priority. 
which means safe in your presence from everything and safe from the things that are scary to him. And understand that your dog doesn't want to feel this way any more than you want your dog to feel this way. Right. So don't freak out if your dog is showing aggressive behavior. Don't think this is just the way your dog is. Don't think that it's just one single thing. And don't think that you can send your dog off to a boot camp where they're going to shock the dog and use prong collars to stop that external behavior. So that would basically be me like telling you that if you scream when you see this snake, I'm going to get you on a cat. I'm going to take the cattle prod to you. And then I'm going to go, look, y'all, she never, she doesn't scream around snakes anymore. I fixed her. Oh, look, she just passed out from fear. (laughs) Huh. That's what we call a fallout behavior. Or now instead of screaming, you're immediately punching and kicking. Mm -hmm. Because you've learned not to scream because that gets the cattle prod. But you got to show your fear some other way. Might as well punch you in the face. Hey, maybe you urinate on yourself. I bring that up because you know what? Dogs will pee when they're afraid. Because we've, we've suppressed behavior so much to say, do not tell me what your emotion is. I don't care what your emotion is. You better act right. Mm-hmm. Don't embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Dog has to, it has to come out somewhere. The last thing you want to do when you have a dog with aggressive behavior is to send the dog off somewhere or get a, or have a trainer come in that uses aversive techniques. You don't fix fear by putting fear into a dog. Mm-hmm. And that's all aversive training is. It's all about, it's a fear-based training. It works because of the fear and the pain and the discomfort. So y'all can all say, oh, it's just a small vibration or it's a small little beep or it's a, well, I would tell you that's just as psychologically damaging as actually doing the physical pain. Because mm-hmm. I could I could not ever touch you with that cattle prod after I do it. If I do the cattle prod a few times, then uh, I would never have to do it again because I could stop your behavior by just um, hitting a, a, a button to turn the cattle prod on because that will cue you that it's going to happen and you'll stop the behavior immediately. Or you'll just say the word cattle prod or i'll just say cattle prod yeah (laughs) as being that you can understand those words yes so when people say well i don't have to shock him anymore i just have to pick up the remote Mm -hmm. oh well congratulations you have scared your dog into um shutdown mode congratulations it makes me think of um our border collie molly growing up who's terrified of guns and we lived on a farm and i mean middle of nowhere farmland mountains and you know there are lots of hunters there my dad and brothers you know would shoot they would target practice in the yard or they would go hunting they would just have to say the word you could say the word gun to her and she would run inside shaking Not, not because anyone had ever done anything to her she'd never been shot at She'd never been confronted with a gun aggressively, but the the noise, yep. sensitivity. Uh, it's a border collie. So sensitivity is pretty common. So they, you know, before they would go shoot, they would just say, "We're getting the guns." That way, she had time to go into the house and get in my bed. That's where she would. That's the only time she ever cuddled. She would uh, get in the bed, and then like she was fine. But yeah. That that word association is it's real is and they legit. can really pick up. You know, if you break that down, it's such a beautiful thought process here. I just had on on that. I, I'm thinking the way she's thinking that the first time she had the gun that that shot and it scared her. Mm-hmm. 
after a few times of that, she probably started picking up on uh, the cocking of the gun. Mm -hmm. And then after so much time of that, it was the um, sight and the seeing of the gun. And eventually it's going to get to just hearing what is the antecedent, what happens right before that whole process. Oh, I'm saying, we'll grab the guns. And she picked up on that. Oh, she... And it's something that you could use so that it helps the dog know that something's about to happen. Yeah. She, um, if you if you walked by the gun cabinet, she'd go in the other room. Wow. Yeah. Like, that I key. I mean, they're, they're so the smart. Key, the key that went to it, my dad, like, she, I, I'm pretty sure could differentiate between what was happening by the way he was picking up, picking it up. She's like, nope, that's gun cabinet key. Well, especially if he wasn't doing anything that he normally does before he exactly. grabs his, his truck key to exactly. leave the house. Exactly. And he probably smelled like those weird laundry sheets that smell like dirt that hunters use. Hadn't, oh, is that what he... Hadn't shaved in three days. <laughs> She's like, oh, man, he's going out hunting. Yeah. I'm staying inside you all got, day. Yeah, you have no idea, guys, what... These dogs will pick up on as far as, is this a part of this uh, puzzle that's driving me crazy, right? Is that a part of something? And it could be this small, the tiniest thing. And if you've had a dog that has separation anxiety and you say, my dog knows 15 minutes before I'm about to leave the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the dog has, over time, figured out the routine, put pieces together. And if they can do it with that, they can start to associate you and that strange dog as a negative thing, because every time a strange dog is present, you smack him mm -hmm. or correct him on a collar yep. before he even did anything. So it gets to the point where he's like, well, strange dogs and my human in the same vicinity is really bad for me. So my job is to now keep that strange dog away because I'm attached to the human and they feed me. So I'm going to have to keep the strange yep. dog away. Yep. And a lot of times... uh aggressive behavior on reactivity will start because you have a puppy who is barking and lunging at a dog out of fun and play and the human starts correcting it using a leash or mm -hmm. yelling or screaming or grabbing it harsh and sit down, sit down, you know, right. and these are things that I see all the time. Um, and then over time, the dog's like, well, crap, every time a dog is around, my human gets mad at me, so now dogs obviously must not be good for me. So now I'm going to start keeping them away from me. Mm -hmm. And it's going to start within maybe a five-foot uh, you know, diameter, and then it's going to increase to the 10-foot, 15-foot, 20-foot, 30-foot. Now it's the dog that's down the street barking from the backyard. Mm -hmm. Because at any time it could pop out. Exactly. So it's... You know, it's just something that I want people to start thinking a little bit more of and, and empathize with their dogs and understand that if they are exhibiting behavior that's inappropriate or um, that is an aggressive behavior, there's a reason and we need to get to the bottom of it. We don't need to suppress the behavior. We don't need to just stop the behavior. You don't, you know, yell at a kid for crying because he's scared. You don't yell at a kid and, and force him to go sit in Santa's lap. That is traumatizing. That is the same thing that we are doing to our dogs. I don't care that you're fearful. Shut up. You're embarrassing me. Mm -hmm. And I know not everybody's like that, but I do want people to understand that if there's external behavior that's happening, there's something deeper. And we need to get to the bottom of it.
So reach out to us. But we will talk about how to um, deal with some of it. I don't know if I'm really going to go into how to figure out what it is. I think we'll just kind of talk about the best way to deal with some, you know, fear issues. But uh, for next week's podcast, we'll just do that as a part two. Sounds good. You have anything else to add towards the end of this? Because um, you talk to a lot of people that call that have these issues. And sometimes we have people that are calling in tears mm-hmm. because their dog has bitten a human. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing, and I'm so excited that, uh, you know, we can meet in person and do the communication seminar next Friday, the yes. 25th, um, at the farm at Natchez Trace. Um, I'm excited. I'll be there. Will you? I'm going to be there. Y'all have, I've been to the seminar like 15 times and it's still fascinating. Um, I'm still fascinated. I've been teaching it for 20 years. It's, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, so I'm excited. Like I, you know, during 2020, I really didn't get to direct people to that resource because, you know, we didn't get to do it. Um, but now you can. Yes. And a lot of people will see, you'll you'll see your dog in that seminar at some point. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I that, do video, my yeah. dog does that. Yeah. That's definitely so and so. Yeah. Um. And and so a lot of these, you know, um, a lot of the aggression that that dogs are displaying is explained in the seminar, yes. uh, and you can see it. Uh, in real time. So, and so, and a lot of times in slow motion. Yeah. Time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, it is, especially with dog aggression, but you'll also see how it can easily transfer to human aggression because it all comes down to disrespecting signals and or being punished for exhibiting. Exactly. Um, some type of behavior that it, your human thinks is inappropriate, but you have no other way to express your feelings. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that, that Yay. if you're local, come on. Yeah. We got to get back on zoom now that we have new, I have a new computer. And uh, we also have new internet, so we can probably do another Zoom communication seminar mm-hmm. um, and not have as, the problems that we had yes. the last one. So, And if you were in that last series, of, we did two parts. Yes. Um, and you want to do that again, because um, I know there were some technical difficulties, just email me and uh, we'll get that set up. Yep, free access for you. Yeah, we can, we can, re- we can do a do-over. Absolutely. And maybe we can get it recorded this time and mm-hmm. we can have it on demand, yep. uh, which would be great. So, all right. I think this has been really good. Um, I tell you, it's funny. I was exhausted when I sat down and I'm so exhausted, but I get just really energized when I get to talk about dog behavior and helping people really see and understand because my job is to speak for the dog. I am your dog's advocate um, and I am here to help you understand your dog better nerd and to have a better relationship with him i am a, i am so nerdy on this stuff i my teachers can probably would be shocked to know that i'm actually nerdy about anything that doesn't require um a basketball softball or volleyball or a football for that matter you are a dog i am like a dog but yeah i'm i'm totally nerdy on this stuff i'm loving it loving it so all right, that'll be, uh, we'll just wrap it up there and be prepared for, y'all, I'm, I'm going to really, I know it's Father's Day, but we may have to do a recording Sunday night to ensure that you guys have it. My goal is to have it out by Tuesday evening. So if we do it on Sunday night, you'll have it on Monday morning. Good times. Yay. So look for part two. We'll talk about uh, some things that you can do if your dog is having some aggressive behavior. 
Um, and uh, we'll just get into that. If you have any questions that you'd like to be answered on that part two, I might can get to one or two if it's not too detailed. Um, but we also may want to talk about um, something we also may need to think about is doing a, a, a case study or a sample. Mm-hmm. You coming up with a little sample case study or a sample case, and I can kind of give you a quick rundown on how I would handle that initially. Cool. Yeah. Without going into too much detail, but... We can do that. Yeah, so we will plan on doing that for next week. Guys, we appreciate you. Um, shoot us an email at info at dogspeak101.com. Where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, we're dogspeak101. Yes, and then Facebook? Also dogspeak101. Excellent. And then don't forget our Patreon page, dogspeak. So it's patreon.com slash dogspeak. Uh, so y'all know dogspeak is our actual name. We yeah. are not dogspeak101. We are dogspeak. But uh, 101 was taken. I mean, Dog Speak by itself was taken, so we had to throw in the 101. So, anyway, we appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you have a beautiful Father's Day. So, happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. And I don't think I said happy Mother's Day when it was time around that. So, oops. Um, So, happy Mother's, late Mother's Day to everybody. Because I didn't mean to leave them out. Uh, So, all you doggy mommies and daddies as well. uh, Be good. Read your dog, understand your dog, empathize with your dog, and help your dog feel safe and help your dog live its best life. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. Brett, you want to say bye? Oh, sorry. She's just over here just dozing off. I I just thought you were doing it for both of us. No, sometimes I think they want to hear you say bye, too. Okay. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs)